0: Tell me, does the thought of binding an insurance policy give you the rush of adrenaline as if you just won a gold medal in the Olympics? If so, then you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Welcome to the Ultimate Insurance Agency Podcast. Planet of the Agents. Planet of the Agents where we give you the real scoop on being an insurance agent and running an agency. This show is all about helping you focus on earning more money as an agent and building your own insurance empire. Empire. Here's your industry-leading host, who has generated tens of thousands of insurance leads. This is Dave Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Planet of the Agents. Make sure that you have subscribed to the newsletter at planetoftheagents.com. Today, I want to follow up on a previous episode and talk about something that's a keyword, a trigger word, a scary word for the property and casualty business. It's called technology. Would you believe today that there's this network of computers that can communicate with each other, and people can buy things online? People have cans of tuna shipped to their house. People have bottles of water shipped to their house. People buy cars online. Now, there are companies trying to sell you houses online. That's right. You just go online and make a casual online offer for a $500,000 piece of property. I remember a time when people were scared to put their credit card numbers in on the internet, but the world has advanced so much since I first got into insurance about 16 years ago that it's getting harder to keep up. Now, whenever I hear people talking about technology at seminars or at other events I attend, or even in publications that I read, I often hear them say things like, agents need to learn to embrace technology. Now, I'm often thinking that the issue is with the companies and that they need to provide us more technology as agents. But as I talk to some agents, I have seen that there are many that pretty much use no technology other than the occasional usage of their cell phone, which is basically an everyday device. I'm actually shocked to see how many agents still have generic email addresses. I think of email addresses I see like John's Insurance 123 abc at yahoo.com. Does that really look professional to you? I can't believe that people are still using email addresses like that. And that's one of the subjects that I want to touch on today. Now... There are different types of technology for your agency. Some are used to communicate with customers, and some are going to be used internally. The biggest piece of technology that I consider chokingly expensive for the average agency is an agency management system. I remember attending an event in Arizona, and I was at a dinner with a group of agents, and this one agency told me that they spend, sit down, $60,000 a year on their agency management system. Let's repeat that number, $60,000 a year. That's $5,000 a month on a piece of software that is actually quite archaic. In fact, I asked them if they could show it to me on their cell phone, and they said, no, I would need to go to my laptop or a desktop computer. So they pay $60,000 a year for a piece of software that's not even mobile-friendly. And to me and most other people out there, I'm going to assume that that uh, age, that Price for a piece of technology is basically cost prohibitive. Let me ask you a question. How many of the people in your office even make $60,000 a year? Now, I know if you live in a couple states, $60,000 a year might actually be the poverty line, but that's probably not the average across the United States. Keeping in mind that a quick Google search shows me that the average agent's salary can be somewhere between thirty dollars and $40,000 a year. Obviously, I haven't verified those numbers, but take a quick peek online and I think you'll be shocked when you look at those, that information. Now, I want to talk about some basic pieces of technology that you can implement essentially immediately within just a few days that could really improve your business. The first one, again, is the email address. If you're still using a free email address for your business, it's time to change that. Today, you can get a custom email address and a custom domain name for just a few dollars a month or even a few dollars a year. I've seen email that's included with the purchase of a domain that could be $12 a year, and then you would have your own personalized domain name. If you're not using that, ask yourself this question. Would I buy something from a professional that's using a free email address? I wonder what you would think if someone handed you their business card and you saw that their email address ended in Yahoo or Gmail or Hotmail. Or even AOL. I recently even saw an email address that ended in cs.com. And that is CompuServe. Many of you have probably never even heard of CompuServe. So that's a small step that you can take. And I've added a few links in the resources section of the the planetoftheagents.com website where you can see some of the providers that are going to offer you that service. Depending on the size of your agency, you might need to pay for multiple email addresses. But it's a tiny investment to look more professional. Next, let's talk about your filing system. And I hope that when I say the word filing, you think of placing scans or electronic signatures into electronic folders and not paper folders. But once again, I am shocked at how many people still use traditional filing cabinets. If you're not scanning your documents, imagine a situation where you have a catastrophe at the office. I mean, you do work in insurance, right? You've heard of fires or floods or other situations that could really hurt a business. Imagine if you had a fire, or imagine if your office was vandalized and people destroyed all the files, or a fire destroyed all of your paper files. What would happen three years from now if you were requested to send a copy of a signed application? The cost of purchasing a scanner that can scan at a reasonable speed is incredibly low. I'm going to put a link to the type of scanner that I use at our office in the resources section of the website, but what I've found is that getting a uh, multi-sheet, sheet-fed scanner is a great solution. You can scan a 20-page application in maybe a minute or less. Now, I'm really hoping that you've stepped it up and you're using electronic signatures, but we'll touch on that in a second. If you have a large number of old-fashioned files, now is the time to put those into a secure electronic system. You're going to also need to purchase either a hard drive that can hold such files, or you're going to need to purchase a cloud service that can back up your files. And once again, these are actually incredibly cheap. it's shocking how little you can spend per month just to have a little peace of mind. On top of that, if you decide to use a cloud-based backup system where you can view your files, if you're out on the road or out in the field or even on vacation and you have to look at a file, it'll be right there at your fingertips. It's much easier to do business this way. If you're one of the people that says, I'll get to it when I have time, I want to remind you of all the stories you probably tell your customers about doing little things like adding an alarm system or repairing a broken window at their retail store who have purchased property insurance from you. You know when they're going to think about it? When it's too late. So don't wait too long to make sure that all of your documents are scanned and that you have a backup of them. If you don't know how to do this, when you purchase a scanner, many of them are going to include instructions as well as numerous links to videos or other manuals that will teach you how to scan something and then label it correctly. Take note of that. It's very important to label the files correctly. So what I did is I prepared something called file naming conventions. So we label all of our files in a specific way. We have signed documents labeled in a specific way. We have other documents such as underwriting documents labeled in a specific way. It's important to use some level of uniformity in your file naming process, just like you need in your regular procedure manual for your agency. Next, let's talk about going to the next level, electronic signatures. If you're not using electronic signatures at this point, I'm actually a little bit shocked. Though I will say that I frequently see documents that have been handwritten and I will see handwritten signatures as well as a variety of other documents that are missing a large amount of information on applications or other important underwriting material that you need to keep handy and keep on file. The advantage of electronic signatures is that you can require that certain boxes be filled out on an application. On the personal line side, many carriers are now offering their own electronic signature system but that doesn't mean that you might not need to send additional electronic signatures, such as your own waivers to each customer who purchases a policy from you. On the commercial line side, especially if you're working in the surplus lines world, you're going to see the carriers aren't going to be providing that because you're probably going through a wholesaler or surplus lines broker. That's how the industry works. Let's not fight it for now. So you'll need to implement your own electronic signature system. There are a few well-known ones out there and some of them carry a very hefty price and charge you per signature, while there are others that are going to offer you unlimited signatures in a year or a huge package for a much more competitive price. Electronic signatures are the future, and in fact, the electronic signatures are now. If you're not using electronic signatures, you're so behind. It's incredible. Now, some people will tell you something like, I don't have an email address, or I don't have a way you can send it to me. But if they have a cell phone, they have an email address. Most cell phones, Android phones and iPhones, are linked to some form of email. So you'll just need to ask them, what email did you use to sign up for your phone service? I understand there are some people who don't regularly use email because they're not working in a professional service where they have to use it, but they have access to email. A lot of people will say, can you text it to me? And the answer probably is yes, you can actually text a a lot of people based on their phone number with a specific domain at the end. So for example, if someone has a T-Mobile or Verizon phone number, you'll just need to look up how to send an email directly to a phone number that'll convert it to a text message and then send them a link. Now, keeping with the electronic theme, I want to talk about something called electronic payments. Are you still waiting around your office for checks? Think about this. If you are waiting for a check and you cannot bind a policy because you have to wait for a check and then wait several days for it to clear, you are so far behind other people. If I was a consumer, I would go on the path of least resistance. So if I could find another agent who would allow me to electronically sign my documents and make my payment electronically, then I would go to that agent. Now, if you work in personal lines, this is different. Or if you're focused on admitted bops and other commercial products, it's different because the carrier likely will accept these payments. But there are carriers that do not offer direct bill services. There are surplus lines carriers, of course, where you're going to have to collect the payment and then forward it to the wholesaler or surplus lines broker. Now, when I say electronic payments, we focus on taking electronic checks and not credit cards. Now, why is this? There are a few different reasons here. When you take a credit card for a policy of its agency bill, you are you're adding extra risk to your business. One, obviously, credit cards charge a percentage fee. And in most states, you're not able to legally place the percentage fee as an add-on to the payment. So let's talk about that. Let's say hypothetically you pay 3.5% every time you take a credit card. If you take a $1,000 premium, you cannot add $35 or 3.5% and charge that to the customer. You'll see that's frequently actually shown in the credit card agreements or PCI documents as well, meaning payment card industry. You want to review that very carefully. Now, on the other hand, what if you were to take the $1,000 on your credit card machine and just eat or lose the $35 or 3.5%? Let me ask you a question. Is your commission on this $1,000 transaction only 10%? That means you're going to earn $100 on a $1,000 transaction. If you're willing to pay that fee, you're losing 35% of your commission. Let's do the math together. Your commission is $100 on this transaction. But the cost to take in the credit card is 3.5% of the total transaction amount, which is $35. So if you spend $35 to make $100, you've lost 35% of your commission. I don't know how many of you can afford to give away 35% of your revenue, but that's certainly not how I would operate my business. There's another risk. Credit cards can also be disputed for an extended period of time. I recall a time when someone disputed years of credit card transactions with a direct bill carrier, and the carrier had to refund the money even though they had a signed form authorizing monthly recurring transactions. Now, if you're working with a lot of surplus lines products where you're responsible, imagine this scenario. You take in a $2,500 payment from a customer. You send the wholesaler your $2,500 payment less your commission, so you kept $250. So you're going to send them $2,250. That money is gone, it's out of your account. Now, hypothetically, what if one year later or even longer the customer calls the credit card company and disputes the transaction? What's going to happen? Well, first, the credit card company might immediately take the money from your account. You might not even have that much money in your account if you're operating an account that is sorted correctly and such. So now what's going to happen is you're going to have to produce some sort of signature form. Hopefully, you have a signature form. Even if you decided you'd take the payment information over the phone, you still need to send everybody a signature form authorizing you to take their payment. That's why you need the electronic signature system. But here's the problem. Even if you have the documents showing that it was authorized, if the customer says it was unauthorized or there was fraud, you might just lose. And this whole process could take months to deal with. So what's going to happen? You're probably going to go to the wholesaler and say, hey, can you give me my money back? And then they're going to have to go to the carrier and ask if there's anything that they can do. Now, this could happen after a policy has expired. That's right. Someone could dispute the transaction a year later and the policy will have expired. So what's ultimately probably going to happen in this situation, you're going to lose that $2,250. Remember, you took in $2,500 and you received a $250 commission. So you forwarded $2,250 on. A lot of companies will say something to me like, it's your responsibility or you should have had verified funds. Remember, they're not working out in the field. They're not in the trenches like we are. They don't necessarily even understand how the credit card process works. In fact, with e-checks, they often say things to me like, how could the check have bounced? You took it electronically. Well, they are not familiar with how the electronic check system or ACH system, which is the automated clearinghouse system, or the EFT system, the electronic funds transfer system works. It is not a real-time process unless you have a special setup. So for most people, if you take an electronic check... During business hours, not after business hours, it could take several days to clear or several days to bounce. And then after the payment is rejected, it can take time for your payment provider to even notify you that this happened. So you want to make sure that you're allowing time for the payments to clear or that it's understood that you could notify the company of a bounced payment or rejected payment and get your money back or have the policy flat canceled. These are things you're going to have to discuss with the people that you're working with, whether it's a wholesaler or whether it's a carrier or surplus lines broker, MGA. You want to make sure that you're working with people who are going to work within the bounds of your limitations as an insurance agency. A lot of people do not understand how this works. You should spend a few moments studying and understanding how the ACH transaction process works. And if someone questions you, find a quality link that you can send them. There are actually official links from the ACH associations and people who manage these things that show diagrams of how it works, and it's not real-time. It makes our job incredibly difficult because the retail agent is often expected to be held on the line for the money, as if there's some magic way we can verify funds in real-time in the modern world. And don't think ACH transactions can't be disputed either. They have fewer protections, but they can be disputed. There's just a limitation on the amount of time under which they can be disputed, and also the cost of processing them is also more favorable to you. So you're going to want to look for that in our resources section as well. I have a provider listed in there that we have been using for some time, and they have two beautiful features. One is they have an online system where it's very easy to fill out the forms, and two, they actually pass the fee on to the consumer. So if the consumer wants to spend $100 and pay with a credit card, that will cost them perhaps $104 or $5, and you will not be responsible for collecting that additional fee or worrying about losing a portion of your commission due to the credit card processing fee. No matter what system you use to process payments, you should be aware of all the fees and the total long-term effect on your business. For example, you should look at the cost of running your processing system on an annual basis to have a good understanding of how it's affecting your profits as a business owner this is one of your responsibilities if you're an agent and you work at an agency you should also look at this to see how it's affecting the agency and let the owner know remember that even if you just work at the agency an agency is a team and the team succeeds when everyone works together to achieve the goal There are two more forms of technology I want to address that are very low cost to implement. One is your voicemail system. Do you have a method to check your voicemail remotely? I recall calling an agent not that long ago to hear only an answering machine pick up. I was shocked to hear that he still had an answering machine in this century. Today, you should have some form of voicemail that you can access remotely because you may not always be at your desk or at your answering machine, so it has to be convenient for you. I prefer to have voicemails sent to me directly when available. In some cases, voicemails cannot be emailed in audio files or they cannot be transcribed, but there are a lot of services out there that do this for a very low cost. It's really another way to stay on top of your business so that you're not missing important phone calls and more importantly, missing important opportunities. The next item I want to discuss is online contact forms. I can't believe how many people don't even have any form of contact information that's electronic on their website. Now, if you've implemented texting, obviously you can include that information on the website. But at a minimum, you need some form of online contact form that's sent to you in a secure fashion. So... There are small things you can do simply by adding a contact us type of form where you collect a minimal amount of information, just enough to be able to call someone back and know why they're requesting information, or so that you can simply email them and start the communication process over a potential account that you might have. The other thing that you could do if you want to expand is obviously adding online lead forms. Now, This is more complicated, but this has created a decent amount of success for me and our agency because I'm able to generate a lot of leads online through the forms that I've created. Now, not everyone out there is going to have the knowledge of how to do this, but it is certainly something that you can learn if you'd like, or of course you have the option to pay somebody. Now, if you are going to spend the time, the energy, and of course the money to develop a website that can generate inbound leads you'll want to make sure that your website can be found. There's no point in spending countless hours and dollars placing inbound lead generation forms or contact forms on your website if no one can actually see your website. You might want to check your website analytics to get started and see how many people actually go to your website, how many page views you get, how many new users you get each day and each month before making this move. If your website's not up to snuff and not delivering the results that you need to even make it worthwhile to invest in the forms, you might want to look into enhancing that first. Of course, the topic of building a findable or searchable website is a massive topic that would require hours of discussion. We surely all aspire to be number one or number two in the Google search, but it's unrealistic to expect to have that ranking, especially in a world where big companies are willing to pay $75 a click to advertise the insurance keyword on Google. Did you catch that? They pay up to $75 and potentially more just for one single click when someone searches for the keyword insurance. You can actually see the bidding war that goes on if you use some of the keyword research tools to determine the cost of advertising on Google. The final item that I wanna mention in the category of technology that's easy to implement is text messaging. Text messaging is massive. If you are not using it, you're really missing out, and you might actually not even be able to reach your own customers. I'm finding more and more that people will not answer the phone, likely because of the huge thing that happened with robocalls and electronic calls in the past few years. I also find that a lot of email goes into junk mail. It's not your fault. That's how the system works. Emails are often being filtered. So the introduction of text messaging to your business could make it much easier for you to communicate with your clients. In fact, a lot of carriers, particularly personalized carriers, will offer some form of text message alert to send directly to the insurance. Be cautious about just using a personal cell phone or even a business cell phone for your text messaging service, as you're gonna want some sort of system where you can log the messages and keep them in your CRM, your client relationship management software, or your agency management software, or even if you have to print them to a PDF and save a backup. You wanna be able to save these communications similar to how you might save your email. When you simply use a cell phone, it might not provide what you need. Also, many modern services will allow you to text directly from your computer, which is a great feature. We've built templates into our texting service and it's really helped reduce time and improved communications with people that we simply cannot reach. Now let's talk about a few takeaways from this episode. You need to make it as easy as possible for your clients to reach you and to do business with you. Unlike many websites that sell insurance and direct writers who offer very easy to use websites, many agents cannot offer ease of use to their customers. And in the modern world, a lot of things are about the user experience and the user interface. Now, is this completely your fault or the agent's fault in the ecosystem of insurance or an agency's fault? No, because you're selling someone else's product and you don't have the control that a direct writer has over the process. Also, a lot of insurance transactions, particularly commercial insurance, require a significant amount of human interaction. It's for this reason that I feel that Agents will largely be involved in commercial insurance in the future and will have less involvement in personal lines. If you've recently lost a customer to a website that sells insurance or a direct writer or some other insure tech company, I imagine that it's only going to get worse and only going to get more difficult. The common argument that I hear is that insurance is complicated and people need help with it. But there are a lot of people who don't view it that way, and those people are often the consumers. When are they going to go to an agent for their personal lines transactions, such as their home or auto insurance? I foresee it likely being when they've been burned by an online experience. For example, I've talked to people who've purchased insurance online only to find out that a claim was not covered. So what happened? The next time they wanted to speak to a professional to review things like exclusions, because when people purchase insurance online, you often see them just clicking that they agree to some forms of terms and conditions and some some simplistic uh, summary of what's covered and they often do not review the full policy like you an agent may have done. What I'd love to see is a world where agents can create quotes based on the client's needs and then send them a link to purchase on their schedule. I have not seen an option available like this for agents with the exception of a few small programs. I hope in the future we see something like that because a lot of people might want to speak to you for a few moments and then review what you have to send them But it becomes difficult to contact them and to reach them and for them to reach you because of varying schedules or just the way that email works today with so many things being filtered into junk mail or promotions mail or spam mail. If they have the option to click a link and purchase it, that would just be wonderful. So what you need to do is make sure that you have a few key things to make it easy for people to reach you. Obviously, we discussed not using a free email address. That isn't about having an easy system where people can reach you, but moreover to look professional. The next step is to make sure you have some form of electronic signature so that people can process their transactions smoothly and efficiently, rather than having to print out a large series of documents, fill them out by hand, and then somehow fax them back to you. Do you even know anyone who owns a fax machine anymore? It's likely that people do own scanners, but I've asked quite a few people prior to making this episode if they had a scanner at home. And a few people said something like, I think I have a printer that also scans. Therefore, if they had to scan something, it would be quite a difficult process. Next was making sure you can take electronic payments. Just make sure that you understand the costs and the risks associated with various types of electronic payments. Lastly, the introduction of text messaging. It's not for everybody but it certainly works well with the younger crowd, as well as people who simply check their phone primarily for text messages. Sure, people use their phone for social media, but for communications, text messaging is a huge thing. Do you remember in the old days when it was a big deal to get someone to drop a card in a box and give you their home address and they were worried about getting spam mail or junk mail? Then came the era of email and people would say things like, are you going to spam me or put me on some kind of mailing list? So now people have filtered out that stuff. And today, text messaging is like the ultimate personal relationship. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Planet of the Agents. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter where I'm going to send you tips as well as topics that I have discussed on the episodes and links where you can find some of the products that I have used and other ones that I've been considering using myself. As a reminder, if you would like me to discuss anything on the show, if you have any specific topics in mind, or if you're interested in being interviewed for the show, please reach out to me and send me an email at team, that's T-E-A-M, team at planetoftheagents.com. And we'd be happy to chat with you. Now get back out there, keep selling, keep retaining those customers, and keep growing your business. Take care. Thanks for listening to Planet of the Agents. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And head over to our website at planetoftheagents.com to sign up for our newsletter and get even more information on how to grow your insurance agency.